Today we welcome Dan Staley, who is an urban planner specialising in green infrastructure. Dan has been instrumental in writing innovative streetscape regulations that maximise the benefits for green infrastructure in built environments. With changes in road and land use, it's becoming increasingly important for arborists and planners to have a more complete understanding of the urban environment and the horticultural response. Dan joins me to talk more about these issues. Welcome, Dan. Thank you for having me. What are the primary planning concerns that arborists need to ensure that are addressed in development and construction? I think one of the most important things is that you want to have in a community's comprehensive plan actual language that makes more rooting volume for trees. And so when you have wording in the comprehensive plan language itself, what that allows you to do is that allows you to write ordinances and that allows you to write regulations based upon that language. And so generally when you have a comprehensive plan, you'll have a goal and you'll have a policy. So if you don't have a goal that says to expand overall tree canopy covered by 5% by 2020, that's never going to happen. And so when you have a goal, then you can write the policy and it, it makes it a lot easier to do your job when that's in there. And so for the urban forester, in my view, it's instrumental to reach out across either a department if you're a public servant or across uh, the discipline to the public servant and say, this is why this is important and then you can do your uh, pitch itself. And how can urban foresters become involved in this planning? Well, I think the key is that the urban foresters have this knowledge to make a lot of these goals happen. So public works people, they want to minimize their repaving. Um, uh, utilities uh, people, they want to make sure that they don't do um, you know, too many tear-ups of different pieces of infrastructure. Transportation planners have their goals. Urban planners have their goals. And the good thing is that the urban forest canopy helps meet a lot of those goals. However, um, as we all know, there's always a knowledge and technology transfer issue across many disciplines, not just urban forestry. But to us, it's a no-brainer that the urban canopy does all these things, but to a transportation engineer, they have no clue. They've probably never even had a natural history or a, or a natural systems course, and so they have no idea. And so getting your little argument together um, to, to make that resonate with, a, for example, a transportation engineer, you know, they're smart people. They'll get it right away as soon as it's laid out for them. And would there be a different approach to retrofit construction compared to new construction and development? Yes. The good thing about new construction is that you have a blank slate. And so it's much easier to take that blank slate and do what you want with it than it is with retrofit. And the reason for that is with a retrofit construction, which is um, essentially uh, fixing or tearing down and rebuilding uh, something that's already there. Um, with retrofit construction, your infrastructure is already in place. So your uh, water pipes, your sewer pipes, your stormwater pipes, your sidewalks, your roads, those are already there. 
And so making changes in any of those is very expensive. And so you want to make sure that if you're going into um, retrofit construction you, and you want to ensure that the urban forest canopy doesn't suffer if there's going to be a lot of uh, turnover of the built environment, that, the, um, that the, the regulations are strong for ensuring that uh, root protection zones are in place, that there's only so much of the tree cover that you can tear down, all that sort of thing. So the retrofit is much more work, uh, much more intensive give and take with the public um, to ensure that the new rules are uh, something that they can work with. And what are some of the changes in transportation design and needs that affect how urban horticulture is planned and especially arboricultural? In my view, this is uh, one of the better opportunities that uh, urban foresters have, both in the public sector and in the private sector. And the reason why I say that is because um, there is a increasingly rapid turnover in thinking about transportation design. And this turnover in thinking is getting rid of the old ways of thinking about roads as merely uh, surfaces for cars to speed through as fast as possible to get as many uh, people and goods and services past a point as fast as possible to a place where not only trucks and cars can be transported but bicycles and pedestrians as well and so people are starting to catch on and when they see a well-designed street they want more and they want it by their house as well and so the younger transportation engineers, the younger utility engineers, they see these roads, they understand intuitively and with their education exactly what these things are trying to solve and they want to plug that into their community as well. And so uh, a very important major component of the new um, streetscape designs are trees and woody vegetation and for a number of reasons. Not only do trees um, help slow peak stormwater flow, uh, they shade the pavement that uh, increases the uh, repaving period. They also um, create a visual barrier for drivers and so what I mean by that is when you are on an open road and there's nothing around you, your tendency built into your into your brain is to step down on the pedal if you're a driver and to go faster. It's just natural human tendency. When you've got an enclosure around you, what that does is it, it, it tends to have you shrink into your body a little bit and your foot lifts off the gas pedal. So that slows you down. Transportation engineers understand this and they advocate for things to be on the side of the road. They often advocate the young uh, new breed of transportation engineers. They advocate having trees on the side of the road because trees do so many things for them to help them achieve their goals. And in your opinion, do you think things have got easier or more difficult for urban forestry planning? In the planning aspect, in many ways, it's gotten easier. And the reason why I say that, it doesn't seem so on the ground when you're struggling on the ground, but there are so many different things that are coming down the pike right now um, that utilize trees as green infrastructure. And the reason why I say this is I was at a uh, conference last February in Seattle, and all of a sudden there were all these books from the EPA and the uh, uh, Centers for Public Health um, on, on model ordinances for streetscape regulations and all this stuff 
uh, about uh, environmental and public health, and they all had trees, all of them. It was amazing. Just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came all these publications out of our federal uh, departments and bureaus, and it was really heartening to see. And at the federal level, it hasn't trickled down yet. They understand what trees do for stormwater. They understand what trees do for um, low-level ozone, all that sort of thing. So um, they're starting to mandate and, and certain grants and things like that that you have uh, trees and canopy cover either a plan or in existence to help mitigate this thing and it's in their checklist and so you've got a box to check and the more boxes you check the more points you get that sort of thing and so they understand this thing a lot of um, state uh, uh, mandates are to uh, you know slow peak stormwater flow all that sort of thing so at the at the higher levels although a lot of these are unfunded mandates of course as we all know um, there are a lot of reasons to have trees and canopy cover. Now whether or not that translates into actual action on the ground, what's been made harder is that we have fewer people on the ground both in the urban forestry profession and in the planning profession to actually ensure that these plans get built. And so you can have uh, a great development on paper but at the end trees are always one of the last things to go in. Has a developer actually put in what he said he was going to put in and the issue is that it's harder and harder to get uh, actual resources and bodies out there to check off on the inspection, the final inspection that that's actually been done. And with these developers uh, and the urban forester, how can, uh, what are the most common issues that they face? Um, with respect to the actual development, urban forestry um, usually is the last one in the last in line and so if there's been anything that has gone wrong in the development you're always pushing uh, the the financing off and you're always you know making up for that delay out of something else and it's always the things that get trickled down and so the the uh, woody plants and the trees are the last ones in line so again this comes back to your comprehensive plan your ordinances your um, regulations that state we need to have this this is what's required our community has asked for this that and you need to provide this and so it's not my problem that your financing has you know gone on and now you're carrying this paper the community requires this and so it's important to have the strong rules in place so everybody knows what the game is so everybody's playing the same game and what further developments can you see that urban arborists and planners can look forward to in the future? Oh, I think a very interesting one that's going to um, become very prominent here very soon will be solar access. California uh, in the United States has a um, plan for a million solar roofs. And so we can see already, uh, knowing no more than that, there, that are, there's going to be tree and photovoltaic panel conflicts. We know that um, uh, green buildings require that there is some passive heating in the winter from uh, solar access through the windows, through uh, window design and uh, window materials. Uh, if trees are in the way, they're not going to be able to meet those goals. And so as we are running out of cheap energy, we are looking for different ways to heat and cool our buildings and the most important thing um, is going to be that access of, 
of the sun to solar panels and to certain windows throughout the year. So how do we do that? One of the things that we do, and it's what I talked about in my presentation here at uh, ISA in Chicago, is uh, we need to do a better job at selecting uh, certain tree species to go in certain places. And so we need to understand um, what our solar partners are doing in order to site their solar panels. And uh, again, the, our solar partners are very smart. A lot of them are retired engineers looking for something else to do. Um, uh, they understand the numbers, they understand trajectories, they understand uh, azimuth elevation. They don't understand because, again, they went into a different educational path. They don't understand what that tree is going to look like in 10 years and 20 years, and we do. And so how do we take our knowledge and reach out to the solar community and say, hey, you know, there's no reason to not put a tree in here. We can put this tree because this tree, after 20 years, it's going to be perfectly fine. That won't be in your solar access plane at all. So you think trees and solar can exist side by side? Not in 100% of the cases. I think that trees and solar um, in new construction absolutely can uh, uh, exist side by side. In existing developments, entering suburbs, uh, probably uh, suburbs built before 1980 where the tree growth uh, is, is robust enough to be onto the roof, there's going to be some issues. And so um, we want to reduce the amount of one inch heading cuts at the ground uh, where the entire tree comes down and we want to have judicious directional pruning to uh, keep those tree benefits there and not cut the whole thing down. A lot of times what happens, people are already far down the path in their decision making for their solar panel. They've got the rebates all lined up. They've got the paperwork all filled out. Installer comes out and all of a sudden this tree's in the way and they just you know don't want to deal with it and cut it down. Our job, what we can do as urban foresters is as we can advertise ourselves as solar friendly, arborists, or you know, whatever you know, marketing scheme you want to do for your business and um, be out there and a resource available to say, oh no, you don't need to cut this whole tree down. You know, in, 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 in 10 years with this limb off, you'll still have you know, clear access to your solar plane and, and there's no need to cut that down. Well, thank you, Dan, for talking to us about a very interesting subject and thanks for listening.